you thankful for that amazing grace? Why don't you praise Him one more time today? We thank you, Lord, for that amazing grace. Oh, worthy is the Lamb. Hallelujah. Oh, Lord, we are just, we're so blessed to be in your presence, God. Thank you, Lord, for your spirit. Thankful for your anointing. Thankful for your power. Thankful, Lord, for your love that overshadows us today. Oh, Lord, we feel that we are under the shadow of the Almighty today. We thank you, Lord, for your holy presence. Hallelujah. Thank you, choir. Thank you for allowing us to once again come into the presence of God with singing and with playing and with that awesome opportunity to worship God. Amen. With excellence, not just going through the motions, but with excellence. How many of you believe that God deserves our very best effort in all that we do? Oh, hallelujah. I want to say today how honored and excited we are to have with us brother and sister Showalter, who are longtime friends of ours. I first met them a number of years ago in uh, the country of Guatemala, where they were missionaries at the time. We had a crusade there. In fact, I came across some of the old pictures of brother Showalter uh, translating as we were preaching, a, uh, I think it was a youth service, and I looked at how skinny I was and how much black hair I had. I was reminded of all the years that have passed by. And I was also reminded of how long these good people have been friends of ours. And they have been missionaries in El Salvador when they were in a civil war and bullets flying through their house. They have served God in so many different countries. Over 30 years, they've been missionaries. The last number of years, they've been traveling and doing crusades and teaching and training all over the world. Tomorrow, they leave, they leave for the country of Jordan, where they will be. And for their national conference and some more training. These are people that are just precious people that love God and they have served God and worked for God all over this world. And we are excited to have them with us today on this special 4th of July weekend and also for this day whenever we acknowledge our uh, missionaries and all that we do through our GO ministry. Would you make brother and sister Show Walker feel welcome at First Pentecostal Church? God bless you. We love you in Jesus. Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. It's a joy to be here. Thank you, Pastor Myers. It's just a great joy to be with you, your family. We love you guys like our own. Amen. Then having to fill your shoes, Brother Brother Myers, Bishop Myers, that was that that was a I don't know. I can't do it with a number nine, I can tell you that. Usually when, when we're here on Sunday, I want to sit right over there in that corner for his class and just absorb everything I can. And you guys are blessed. You are blessed with the leadership team that God has placed in this church, given you. These are awesome people of God, awesome families. And uh, it's a joy to just be here. And whew, that choir was great. And... Uh, we love all of you. You may be seated. I want my wife to come and just share with you. I, I believe in team ministry, and this is, this is part of the team the Lord's given me, and I thank God for her years of faithfulness to him. Praise the Lord. So good to be back in Palm Bay this morning. We love you, church. You, you've been a part of our life for a long time, so it's always wonderful to come back to familiar places. 
but it has been a while since we've been here. And um, I just wanted to tell you something that happened last year. As missionary evangelists, you know, it's one thing that we love to do as evangelists is to win souls. But when you travel all the time, it's hard because you're not long enough, you know, to just give Bible studies and everything. But I, I was praying, Lord, please help me because I remember going to a Muslim country the first time and I was really upset. I said, God, how can this be fair that they can't, you know, it's against the law for us to tell them about you. I was born in a country where it was handed to me. But these people don't have anybody to pray for them. They don't have anybody to tell them. We come, and it's against the law to tell them. How can it be fair? And the Lord just said, if you'll do your part, I'll do my part. And so I realized nobody can keep me from praying. And I began to pray for those people. I said, Lord, just help me to win one. I, I want to win them to you. And we were able to go last year to the country of Malaysia. We go there uh, every year. But this time we were on a, taking a day of rest with the superintendent and his wife. They had taken us up to a tea plantation. And there was a couple there, two couples that were there. We began to talk, and they asked why we were there. And we said we were there teaching the Bible. And we asked um, where they were from. They said they were from Iran. And I just asked if they were Muslims. And they said, yes, we are. We're just not so strict about the head covering here. Um, but we continued our business. And as I... As I um, got up to take some pictures one of the ladies come to me and she said can I speak with you for a moment and I said sure I said would you like to join us here we're all talking she said no um, I need to talk to you in private and I don't want my husband to hear and I don't want the other family to hear she said but I have a question I said sure she said can we sit here so we sat down and she said is Jesus God <laughs> praise God I like that question and I said, oh, let me tell you. I said, first of all, there is only one God. There is only one God. There's not a baby God. There's not another God. But that name Jesus means God is my Savior. I said, God made himself a body and walked on this earth for us. And I began to explain to her, and tears came in her eyes. And I said, yes, Jesus is God. And she said, oh, she said, I thought so because... I saw him in a vision. He came to me. He came to me in a dream, and he was dressed all in white with two angels, one on each side with pitchers of gold in their hands, full of water. And they began to pour that water on my head. She said, I didn't know what this dream means, but I just thought it must be God. And she said, then after two months, nobody told me what it meant, and I, I, I began to doubt. And he came again the same way. And I said, oh, and now I will tell you what that dream means. I said, in the Bible, water is symbolic of the Spirit of God. I said, first of all, God loves you. He has called you, and he has chosen you, and he wants to fill you with his Spirit. And she said, oh, she said, can you please get me a contact number? I must know more. And... I was just so excited because Jesus really was fulfilling my prayers at that moment. And then we gave her the contact number. She got in touch and, and three weeks later went and had a Bible study and was baptized in the name of Jesus. She was filled with the Holy Ghost. And she has such a burden to go back to her people. She says, I will go back and baptize my sister and my cousin in Jesus' name. 
Of course, this all has to be done in private, and it's very dangerous. Her life has already been threatened, but her husband is starting to come, and God is, the way he's moving among these people is so amazing. And I just want to ask for your prayers, especially as we will be going to Jordan and to Turkey, um, as well as the works that we're going to be doing among the Arabs. We're also going to be working with the refugees that have come from Syria, from Iraq, and from Iran. And they want to be filled with the Holy Ghost. Please pray for us that, that not only will the Lord will keep everyone safe, but also that his spirit will be poured out on these people in a mighty way. God bless you. And we appreciate all of your prayers. We appreciate what you do for everyone all over the world. Amen. Please help us pray. Praying, pray for Anita and her husband Risa, and uh, the Lord is working in their lives. And uh, it's been a powerful experience over the last year, working from distance. Just this year, we were back in Malaysia again, got to be with her and see what the Lord is doing and bringing her husband around to this. It's in his heart already, and it's just miraculous the steps that he that the Lord works in someone that is hungry. There's millions of them that are desperately hungry and they want freedom and they do not have that freedom uh, to come and worship at their own choice what they would like, like to know, what you have. We're so blessed, folks. We are so blessed. We thank God celebrating this Independence Day this week. Thank God for the 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 freedom that we have to just gather like this and to worship God freely as we choose. And to, to be able to make that choice is a major thing all across the world. More than half the world do not have that choice. They do not have that choice. They are forced by governments, by oppression, by family oppression, and other things as well to fit into a certain mold and uh, even though that Jesus somehow can work in those situations and bring them to truth and by the thousands they are being baptized right now there is a major major move going on among those people and uh, millions of them have already been slain beheaded just in the last few years folks we're in the end time. This is serious business. This isn't a game. This is serious business. And uh, it, is, it is a matter of life and death. And it's eternal life that makes the difference. Amen. Many of them flee to their captors. Ready to give their life. Willing to give their life. Because they know to die is gain. Praise God. There's nothing you can give that's too much for him. Amen. It's a joy to be here. Thank you, Pastor Meyer, for allowing us to be and to celebrate this wonderful weekend with you in, in America. Um, just this really one week that we uh, are, are excited to be here. And uh, we can't think of a better place to be than right here. If you'll stand with me, 
I feel like the Lord has given me a particular word for someone here today. And um, I just want to share it with you. The Lord is, I feel his presence here. My wife giving that testimony just brought tears to my eyes thinking about what uh, she has already gone through. And, and there's so many hundreds of thousands just like, just like Anita. But I feel like God is speaking to somebody right here today. And the devil has tricked you into making you think that the mistake that you made is final. That there's really no way back. And that, you know, the devil will use the scripture and he'll take them out of context. He'll go to, to Peter and, and tell about, you know, you've trodden the, the blood of of the new covenant underfoot and disregarded what Jesus did for you and there remain no more sacrifice for sin and you're, you're, you're done for. He'll leave you with hopelessness. That's his business. But I have a word for you today. And there's an open door set before you. And it's time to get up and put the devil in his place. Prove he's a liar. And step back into the grace and the mercy of God. Amen. He really is a God of second chances. My grandkids watch that Veggie Tales and that choir singing, God of second chances. And it, it, I, I, something happened just a few weeks ago that I'd never seen in the scripture before. I, I, I've read it. Hundreds of times, I know I have, and but I've it never, never, never dawned on me. And I want you to go there with me. It's to Numbers chapter nine. This can somewhat follow through with what we talked about in the Bible class, but chapter nine of Numbers, there's an insertion here that just uh, overwhelmed me when I saw it. And never had realized this before. Verse 1 says, Now the Lord spoke to Moses in the wilderness in Sinai. In the first month of the second year, after they had come out of the land of Egypt, saying, Let the children of Israel keep the Passover at its appointed time. On the fourteenth day of this month, at twilight, you shall keep it at its appointed time. According to all its rites and ceremonies, you shall keep it. So Moses told the children of Israel that they should keep the Passover. And they kept the Passover on the 14th day of the first month at twilight in the wilderness of Sinai. According to all that the Lord commanded Moses, so the children of Israel did. And so this was the year, they had, one year prior, had been in Egypt, putting the blood on the doorposts. They would walked out. They ended up at the, the mountain around the 50th day, seven weeks or so, received the law. And now they've been in the wilderness for close to a year. And again, the appointed time for Passover, the keeping of the feast comes around and God speaks to Moses and says, keep the feast at its appointed time. So they all responded. But notice with me what happens here in verse 6. Now there were certain men who were defiled by a human corpse so that they could not keep the Passover on that day. 
And they came before Moses and Aaron that day. And those men said to him, we became defiled by a human corpse. Why are we kept from presenting the offering of the Lord at its appointed time among the children of Israel? And Moses said to them, stand still, that I may hear what the Lord will command concerning you. You know anything about the Old Testament law? If they defiled themselves by touching a dead body, had to conduct a funeral, bury someone, they could not participate without a seven-day period of cleansing and going through the rituals. Here, here it is. The Lord spoke. The Lord spoke. Let's pray and ask the Lord to speak to us. Jesus, now your word is vibrant and alive. And every word that you've spoken is for us. Oh Lord, we want you to make it alive in the hearts of each one of us that we can hear what you would say to the church in your name, Jesus. In your name, Jesus. Now let's thank him for it. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. With open ears, we are ready to receive in Jesus' name. You can be seated. So, they were to keep the feast. But, you know, in, in the New Testament, we find this principle. Uh, Jesus, remember him talking to the Pharisees and calls them whited sepulchers. And you're, you're beautiful on the outside, he said, but inside you're full of dead men's bones. What he was referring to, it was time for the feast, and before the feast days, when travelers would be coming from all over the world to celebrate in Jerusalem, they would, they, they would know where the graves were. They would know uh, where they weren't supposed to be on their way to the feast. And they could easily touch a grave or touch a, 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 a burial place and be defiled and not be prepared with enough time to celebrate and go through the cleansing and be able to celebrate at the feast. And so in order to make it apparent, at least a month before, the children of Israel, the, the Jews would go out and they would paint the graves, whitewash them, sometimes decorate them with, with uh, white rocks and different things. And uh, it, was a, it was, well, in Tennessee, we call it Decoration Day. And, uh, or Memorial Day, as you would probably call it, when we would go out and do that in honor of our loved ones but, uh, who have passed. But there they would, they would decorate the graves, and it was a beautiful sight to look on those hills, those rocky hills, and see these whited sepulchers, as the Bible calls them. And uh, they were just decorated for that purpose so that the travelers coming would not accidentally sit on a grave or touch a grave and be defiled and not be prepared to worship at the feast that they had spent lots of money and time to get there to celebrate. And so it was a, an act of courtesy, but it, it beautified the, the landscape. And Jesus used it to, to let the religious hypocrites, if we could call them that, those that celebrated externally but not internally the word of the Lord and the, and the law. And he called them whited sepulchers. You're beautiful on the outside and, but full in, 
of corruption on the inside full of dead men's bones. So that's where that comes from. And so this happened to these men, whatever they had to do to handle this corpse, and they could not cleanse themselves. They did not have enough time. So they could not, they were restricted from celebrating at the feast, this first Passover after the Exodus. And so God spoke in verse 9. And he said to Moses saying, Speak to the children of Israel, saying, If any one of you or your posterity is unclean because of a corpse or is far away on a jury, he may still keep the Lord's Passover. But notice, on the 14th day of the second month at twilight, they may keep it, they shall eat it with unleavened bread and bitter herbs. They shall not leave none of it until morning, nor break one of its bones. According to all the ordinance of the Passover, they shall keep it. And so, here is, here is an ordinance that God inserts in the middle of, of the law. Seven particular feasts. But he adds an opportunity, a second chance to someone that maybe was not prepared. Or something happened. They were defiled. Whatever the case was, God, even in the law, now he's an exact God. He is a God of justice. He is a God of fairness. And he is a God of, of judgment against sin. But here, right in the beginning of the law, we find the very character of God's heart extending to his people that just in case someone missed it, just in case someone failed, just in case they couldn't make it, God makes a provision with an, another opportunity. Wow. I'm going to tell you what. I'm here to show you biblically God is a God of second chances. Maybe you feel like you've trodden that blood underfoot. Maybe you feel like the devil's roaring in your ears and telling you this is not for you. I'm here to tell you God sent me here to give you a word. The door is open. He's giving you another chance. It's time you take that opportunity and do not be thieved by the devil. Don't let him stop you from receiving what God has for you. He is a God of second chances. Amen. I was one of those one day. I was one of those. Raised in the church. But at an early age rebelled against this thing. Didn't want to have anything to do with it. I wanted to be a hippie. <laughs> Anybody still knows what that means. <laughs> so I had the rebellious heart. And got involved in that drug culture. I, re I rebelled against God. I rebelled so hard that, that in order to blaspheme against God, I delved into satanic worship and witchcraft. I would conjure up spirits to, to try to stop my mother from praying for me. When I would come in late at night under a drunken stupor or drug stupor I would, I would hear her praying two floors above me I kind of think she laid on the vent and prayed 
but she would call my name out in prayer. God saved my son. I dedicated him to you. I was rebellious. I tell you what, rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. It will take you where you don't want to go. It will take you where you never intended on going. I shudder when I look back and, and see how the devil had put that ring in my nose and was leading me where he wanted me to go. And I listened to him. I thought there was no chance. Even if I did want to repent, but I didn't. I did my best to blaspheme God. I'm here to tell you God is a God of mercy. I feel, most of the time I feel like Paul when he said, woe unto me if I preach not the gospel. When I came to God, I didn't have anything left. The devil had tried to take my life three times, particularly when I knew that it, Somehow, miraculously, I was spared. I don't know how, but the Lord showed me that night. Sitting, when I went to church, I was kind of going to pay my last respects and was planning on being gone, but the Lord had other plans. And those demons in me rose up in me, wanted me to go out the door, tried to push me out, but somewhere in my heart, I knew I needed to talk to God. God showed me that it was Him that spared my life. And that there was an extension of grace, but it would just go so far. And it was up to me how far that would be. So at the mercy of God, I surrendered myself back to him, was set free from those spirits. And you know what? It only, really, they fought with the devil trying to cast the devil out of me. And I snaked all over the floor and all that. I, it, was a, it was a horrible scene. I didn't really know what was going on inside of me I was I was unaware basically what was going on outside I could hear their prayers and their screams and their they were trying to fight with the devil but the fight wasn't the devil the fight was me and it was it was going on inside as the devil was saying well you can't you know you blew it you you're mine you sold your soul to me and all these things he would tell me that had some truth to it you're too weak. You can never live for God. You tried once and miserably failed. And in the midst of that, I saw the Lord. He appeared to me. Now, whether my eyes were open or closed, I cannot tell you. But I saw him plainly, just like I'm looking at now. And I was shocked to see in his face mercy. I thought he was angry, ready to zap me and fry me on the spot, but I saw mercy. I saw love. His hands out extended to me, towards me, reaching for me. I saw the nail prints in those hands, and I saw the love in his eyes, and he spoke this simply to me. He just said this. He said, Monty, he called me by name. He said, if you'll put yourself in my hands, I'll do the miracle.
I said one word. How could I resist that? I'd seen the hate in the devil's world. I'd seen the, 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 the chaos in his, his, his structured, unstructured authority. I saw the, the, the violence even between demonic spirits trying to fight over souls and bodies. I saw all that. And I knew that that world was a destructive world. He was out to kill, to steal, and to destroy. And here was Jesus that could have killed and destroyed and had every right to. But here he was reaching to me in love. And the word that I cried out, those raging spirits felt like cats inside clawing. And the one word that I said was just simply, yes. And when I screamed that word, yes to God, it slammed the door on the devil. And with the air that exhaled from my lungs with that one word, every demon spirit came out of me. I, I felt like chains broke all the way up as I exhaled that word. I fell limp like a dead man. But when strength entered back into me, I was at liberty to stand and lift my hands and just surrender completely to him. He filled me with the Holy Ghost. He transformed my life. And in one moment, the things that I hated, I loved. And the things that I loved, I hated. It was a change of heart. I'm here to tell you that there is a door open for you. And God is here with a second chance. He's given you this opportunity today to come to him and be set free from the lies of the enemy that want to drag you to a devil's hell. I'm here to tell you the blood of Jesus Christ is still effective for you. No, he's not going to go to the cross again. But that blood that went to the cross was for the sins of the whole world. And it included your second mistake. Let's stand together. Hallelujah. Jesus is here. It's time to come right now. It's time to come right now. Maybe you've never taken your first chance. It's time tonight. It's time to just give it to him. Don't let the devil cheat you. Don't let him steal from you this opportunity. 
I don't know who you are, but God knows who you are. And he sent me here with one message, and that was, he is a God of second chance. He is a God of second chance. Hallelujah. John put it in his word this way. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. And the truth is not in us. But if we will just be honest and will confess our sins, He is just and faithful to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Hey, John was speaking to the church. He was speaking to me and you. When we stumble and fail and fall, the devil wants to snuff you out. But God says, no, just come to me with an open, honest heart and I will cleanse you. When your baby falls trying to take those first steps, you don't just kick it aside and say, you might as well give up, you can't walk. No, you grab it, you pick him up, you wipe his knees off and say, take another step. Hey, he's my heavenly father. Yes, I failed at, from that point on. I've made some drastic mistakes, but he's always been there to take my hand and lift me up and say, let's go again. Let's all gather in. Everybody, you just come down here. God is giving you an open door, an open opportunity. Amen. It's time. Hey. It's the second month. <laughs> the second opportunity. He's speaking to your heart. In Jesus' name. Jesus, your blood still flows. The river still flows. Oh, Lord. You know, God, that you're here. Jesus, I plead blood, water, and spirit to flow, to flow and agree in each one. That blood that cleanses and covers, that blood, God, that we are dead and our life is hid with Christ in God. Oh, oh. Blood that water that washes. Oh, in Jesus' name, it buries that past, that puts it in the grave. Oh, yes, Jesus. No, we're not worthy. He is worthy. We will cast our crowns at his feet. You alone are worthy. It's you that won the victory, not us. We were defeated, but you raised us up. You raised us up. It's your victory in which we stand. Oh, Jesus. Jesus. Just call on his name. Blood, water, and spirit. Be filled with the Holy Ghost all over again. Come on, don't hold it in. Let it overflow. 
Let it overflow. Let it overflow. Talk it out. Speak it out. It's the Holy Ghost. I am a son Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Oh God, touch these young people. Touch these young people, oh Lord. And I am a soldier. The devil's alive. He cannot hold you. He cannot hold you. He cannot hold you. Oh, Jesus' hand is extended to you. He's the one that you need to grab. He's the hand that you need to take. Oh, Jesus, 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 Jesus. 